and they can start the party at Spotland. That's a brilliant goal from Gary Jones. And Henderson, oh, what a goal! Hello and welcome to the RochdaleAFC.com podcast. My name is Dean and I'm joined as always by Chaff. Chaff, how are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you, mate. Ryan, how are you getting on, bud? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. And Luke is with us as always. Luke, how are you, mate? Good, mate. I'm enjoying the uh, Fellaini look that Ryan's uh, showing us this evening. (laughs) Looking good, Ryan. Some lockdown haircuts in this this chat at the minute. I'm going more for the uh, Kevin Townsend look myself at the minute. Um... (laughs) So we'll crack on with uh, diving into Dale's last two games. It's been another disappointing week for Dale. Two defeats, 2-0 at home to Burton Albion and 2-0 away to Hull City. Uh, I've seen Dale drop into the relegation zone into 23rd place. Um, So obviously we're not expecting the most positive podcast tonight, but we'll do our best to, uh, to talk through those games and talk about the current situation the club finds itself in. Ryan, I'm going to come to you first. I suppose, we can only really start with the fact that we've dropped into the relegation zone and uh, it's now one win in 15 games. Is it starting to feel inevitable to you that when you turn the game on, we're not going to get anything out of the match or at least we're not going to get a win, let's put it that way? Yeah, it is. I think, the last, obviously, I missed last week so I didn't discuss the games before, but I've been thoroughly unimpressed with the last five or six games since the MK Dons one. I think if we'd have carried on with the attacking football, we might have picked up a couple more results against the lesser teams recently. Um, but we didn't, and we sort of decided to shut up shop against poor teams, uh, kept clean sheets, which people can say that's a positive, but you don't win games unless you score goals. And we've not created anywhere near enough. So, yeah, I'm going into games now looking at the lineup. I'm not one to normally do this, but I'm looking at the lineups and already feeling pretty negative as soon as I see them. Questioning where people are going to play. Seeing Osho at right back recently, which I've made clear that I don't like. Um, and then, yeah, I'm not expecting, look at March, I'm not expecting a point, to be honest. Yeah, that kind of sums up where we're at at the minute. Um, Chaff, like I mentioned there, one win in 15, one win in 20 at home this season now in all competitions, no goals in five games. Um, is there any justification for, for Barry Murphy not to have been sacked at this point? Oh, you're giving me that question. And let's face it, by the way, that Ryan's feeling very downbeat tonight. And if he's feeling downbeat, we're in trouble, aren't we? <laughs> um, so the stats say no. He he would have been sacked, I think, had fans been in the ground. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I think most other managers, if not all other managers, would have been sacked just based off the home farm alone. That said... We are where everybody expected us to be, finally. And I think that's probably played a part in the downward spiral is that we've probably been higher than what most people thought we would be. And it's taken us until March to go into the to the relegation zone when the vast majority of the fan base, myself included, had us being down there pretty much from, from the start of the season. So there's that expectation... Brian's right in what he said last night um, to a point where he has increased the expectations by being outside of the, the relegation zone. But having said that, we've been outside the relegation zone because we've been better than what we are. So, it's... the, the As weeks go by, as days go by, it's becoming it's becoming a lot more difficult to, to justify it. And I said a few weeks ago, We've been football fans a long time. How many times does this situation turn itself around? It's very rare. Um, and I think we'd have had a, an opportunity to have that new manager bounce, perhaps, with the fixtures that we've just had. If, For example, if a new manager comes in now, they've got Sunderland, Shrewsbury, they've got very, very difficult games. And, yeah, it's... It's hard. It, I don't. I don't want to say this, but for me, I don't think you can turn it round. And if you can't turn it round, then there's probably only one outcome. 
Luke, we Chaff touched on on his comments there about raising expectations, but is it now fair to say that having raised them, he's failing to meet them? And I think at the start of the season, when he came on our podcast, he he kind of said that the players themselves and himself didn't believe in those sort of pre-season predictions of us finishing bottom of the league. So at this point, is he sort of underachieving against his own expectations of the team? Yeah, I think he is. I think, you know, to a certain extent, um, he'd potentially become a victim of his own success as far as, um, I know like you spoke before, Dean, around how the squad of players have proved that they're capable of more than what they're showing at the minute. And, um, you know, that's not just as a squad of players, that's a squad of players that BBM has essentially assembled and, and put together uh, tactically. And, you know, we've had some good results this season. Um, we've looked decent in parts this season. And we've looked like we've had the potential of, of having a kind of a decent core, you know, squad who, who can who can actually kind of compete at this level. Um, so, yeah, I think in many ways, you know, it's he's, he's almost, you do become a victim of, of, of your own success. Um you know, I wouldn't call it mega success, you know, but I think a lot of Dale fans do actually consider competing in League One a success and that's what we've shown to have done this season in in part. So, uh, yeah, there's a frustration there because we're not at that point. We're not, you know, we, we seem like we're kind of um, going backwards rather than forwards, whereas we felt as though we were on an upward trajectory, um, you know, going from the start of the season to kind of the midway point when we had the kind of the Wigan performance and and you know uh, results like that as well. But um, I do actually, it's, it's a difficult one and it's hard to. We all speak with emotion because you know we support the football club, so it's very rare to kind of really try and strike a neutral view on it all when you're when you're a fan of the club you're always going to have that bias in one way or another, whether you kind of see it or not. Um, so I'm aware with what I'm about to say, kind of it, it could be my own bias towards BBM because of how likeable he is. But I do feel, I do feel sorry for him at the minute, um, you know, in, in kind of, you know, what he's having to put up with. Um, I mean, it's toxic on, online, the, the abuse that he's getting. Um, and a lot of it is uncalled for on, uh, in my opinion anyway, when it's personal. Um, because I don't think anyone can really dispute that he's actually he's doing the best you know that he sees fit for the job. It's not he's not taking the piss in anywhere, um, you know. And yeah, you know we've had certain things go against us like injuries and whatnot. But to be fair, you know that's part and parcel of football. And like he says as well, you do have to come up with solutions uh, to those problems. And you know when he came on the podcast and said that about um, you know the players don't see themselves as a the bottom of the the you know League One team. Um, you know, that's that's what I expect to be fair. If you're part of that, you, you thrive and being the underdog and you use it to your own advantage. And I'm sure that mentality has been used throughout, but um, it just feels like we're running out of running out of time, we're running out of games, we're running out of um answers to the problems and um it's a real tricky time for the football club at the minute. Yeah, I think in that clip that um that GMR tweeted the other day, he mentioned about the fact that maybe they have some of uh, some of those league predictions up in the dressing room, and I'm wondering if it might be time to take them down because the players might start be believing them at this point. Uh, Ryan, you've been, should we say, defensive over BBM over the course of the season. You've said yourself there that the last five or six games have been disappointing. Um, where are you now standing on BBM? Are you still staunchly behind him, still still hoping that he can turn this around, still believing that he can turn this around? Or is your opinion starting to change and you may be wondering if there's a different direction the club can go in, in, in the manager's position? My personal opinion on it hasn't changed in terms of what I want and what I think. But because of a mood around the football club with the supporters, I think he'll... It, I don't think he's going to turn supporters around. And when that happens, it's only going to go one way. And I think there can only be one outcome um, in the short to medium term now. But I'd still be gutted if he went. I still think he, I still think he's got potential to do a really good job. Um, I think there's things that have gone against us this season that you can't predict. And the board have come out and said the budget was smaller than it has been in League One before. We've had the injuries we've had is crazy. 
um, it would be if you had a big squad. So when you've got a small squad and you have those injuries, you're going to struggle to find a manager at this level who's going to cope with that, let alone an inexperienced one. Um, so, yeah, I still think he can do a really good job with us. Um, I think the future could be bright with him, but I don't think supporters are going to allow that now. And I think if I was one of the directors at a football club, I'd be, I'd be making a change purely because of that. Because the fans forum next week is going to be, it's going to be a mess. Because um, I can only imagine the emails the directors are getting in terms of questions and comments. They're not going to say them because I wouldn't. So it's just going to be, that's going to be a mess. And social media is a mess. The stuff on the message board, there's no positive comments. Rightly so, because of the performances. But he's not going to turn people's opinions around no matter what he does now. I think even if he keeps us up, I don't think fans are going to take it to him. With your point there, right, about the... Um... The fans forums a good one. Make no mistake about it. This fans forum doesn't happen if it's live in a room. Um, I don't think they, they just wouldn't organise it. And had it been in that in that sort of scenario, we it, that would be carnage. Um, I think the fact that it's online and it's questions first helps the club. Um, it gives them an, a sort of a little bit of control over what gets asked and what gets answered because. We we know there'll be some there'll be so many emails going in that are just going on about exactly the same thing. So they do have a an ounce of control over the situation. With regards to turning the fans round, wholeheartedly agree with you, um, and I like BBM as well. And if it was to become a case of he gets offered a new deal, um, I'd, I'd back him. And I'd, even if we go down, I'd, I'd back him. I'd like. You know, I like the guy and I think he's going to have a very bright future in the game um, as well. But like you said, you cannot turn the, the fans around once they go. Most of them now, even if he went on a, a run of four, five consecutive wins, they'd pick something to whinge about um, because they felt that way for, for a, a while. Um, and the fans will not tolerate a, a relegation and in, in staying beyond that. And the issue is that he's because he's out of contract, it makes it a massive decision. Um, say we, if we stay up, I don't think it is a massive decision. I think if we if we stay up, I think he's achieved his um, the task that he was set out to do this season and keep us up. Um, if we go down, he's out of contract. If he gets given a contract, that won't go down well at all. So yeah, it's a it's a, it's a difficult one. I think the fans' forum decision is strange. Personally, I think. You sort of get it because the chairman's just resigned and things like that. People are going to have questions, but there's surely a, a statement will do, a couple of statements will do, maybe an interview with Bottomley or Kelly, somebody would have done. But I think the forum next week, I don't think the club can win because if, if they ask every question that gets sent in, there's going to be a lot of people on that forum who aren't going to like the questions and aren't going to answer. Um or we're going to give a, wish, a wishy-washy answer that people aren't going to like. My prediction is there's going to be a lot that isn't going to be asked, and that's not going to go down well to the people who ask them. So either way, people aren't going to be happy with the outcome of this fans forum, I don't think. So I think it's just going to leave fans with a worse taste in their mouth than, than they have now, to be honest. Um, so I think that's strange. Um, I'll watch it, don't get me wrong, but I don't see how a club can win from it. I'd agree with that. I'd, I'd, I'd agree as well, but I can see I can see the method behind it because it's a common kind of criticism at the minute uh, around the fans feeling kind of out of touch with with what's going on at the club. Um, so, you know, um, come on, fair play, kind of, you know, during this time when it's the most difficult time of the season, the board are willing to do it. Um, I think you're right, Rai. I think it'd be kind of it'll be done in a in a politician kind of style way where, you know, the questions will get kind of, uh, I suppose, cherry-picked in, in many respects um, because, you know, there'll be a lot of the same old and to be honest with you, whilst every, every single Dale fan has, has the right to put questions in and whatnot, in a, in a setting like a fans forum, there's certain people that just can't articulate in the right manner and they just got personal and stuff like that. So, um, I'm hopeful that the club do it in the right way where, they do tackle a couple of the challenging issues that, that are there 
um, and communicate it clearly. And I think it probably, from the board's perspective, it's probably or hopefully kind of an opportunity for them to actually kind of say, look, you know, this is where we're at as a football club. Um, these are the kind of genuine struggles that we're going through. Um, and, you know, um, it's important to let the supporters know about it. Yeah, I think, I guess one more comment on it from me. I think the last one where there was a lot of negativity around them and upstep Tony Pockney, who gave a really good presentation. I think that helped the situation. So if it's something similar like that, where you can perhaps change the direction of the forum and turn it into something else, where there's a lot of information on one topic, like Pockney did about the finances, that could work because it worked back then. I think people stopped talking about football for a week and started talking about how good a director Pockney was and how good a presentation they were open it was. So if they can do that, it could work. But I don't think there's going to be many questions about the finances. I think it's mainly going to be about the football on the pitch. I think there will be a lot of questions regarding the off-field um, issues that we're having as well. For example, um, the Americans being on board and then seemingly not being on board very, very quickly. And the fact that we've not even addressed the situation, there's been no statement regarding uh, Dan Altman's LinkedIn post. Um, so I think a lot of the questions will be geared towards that as well as the on-field things. And I think those questions, I, I think they're vital, to be honest with you, because I think we, we, we need answers on what exactly is going on on that side of it. And But in terms of... It, they, they are opening themselves up. Luke's right. They do deserve credit for, for putting the forum on, especially when, as you say, right, they, they, they're on a hiding to nothing, really, aren't they? Um, they? They don't win in this situation. Um, and I guess it's a step. I, think, I, I guess it's a, it's a case of coming out and facing the music um, and, you know, putting themselves in the firing line. And it'll be very interesting to watch, I think. Yeah, I, th I I don't know about putting themselves in the firing line due to the fact that they can filter those questions. That's that's my worry at the minute. The fact that I know there'll be sort of the opportunity to comment on YouTube, but the fact that you have to email questions in five days before the event. Why? Why in 2021 do you have to do that so far in advance? That's just that's just bizarre to me. That feels like it's a tactic to make people forget to send the questions in, to be honest. And I've got a feeling that if they do try and, and go the direction that you were saying there, Ryan, where they sort of try and focus on a positive, I wonder where the positive is, to be honest, to, to, at the moment. But if it was, say, the finances again and, and the club's looking in a particularly strong financial position at the moment, which it seems unlikely, I think the only reaction to that would be, well, then why has the playing budget been cut so much? Why has Barry, Barry Murphy not been given the squad to, to compete if that's the case because I get the impression that the board kind of take a little bit of blame for not giving BBM a strong enough squad so if they then turn around and say well we haven't done that I think that kind of lets BBM off the hook a little bit because I think the squad is good enough even if the budget's been cut I think the squad's good enough to compete better than it is at the minute so I just I, I can't see like you guys I can't really see a good outcome for either the club or the fans from this but at the same time um, it's good that we should hopefully get some answers or at least on paper that's what we should be getting. I don't know whether we will or not. We'll stick with the with the BBM topic for a little bit longer. Um, Jeff, I'll come to you with this one, but by not sacking Barry Murphy at this point, do you think the club are maybe making a statement that, that relegation doesn't actually matter in terms of the business plan in the long term? Because, okay, we're not relegated yet, but with the current record and the way that we've sort of dropped in the last couple of months it kind of feels like inevitable at this point. We know that it isn't, but it kind of feels that way. And do you think that by not making a change, the club are kind of signalling that, that relegation isn't, isn't that relevant as to the, the long-term direction of the club? Good question. Um, I know there's some very strong opinions on social media regarding this. It's when, you, when your favourites to go down practically year on year, is it not better to have a potential sort of not safety net but to, to soften the blow a little bit um, by preparing for that potential outcome would we not be daft if we didn't so I, I, I don't necessarily think it's a case of that they're not bothered about it because 
financially they will have to be. We sacked our greatest ever manager because they were bothered about it. And that ended up being a great decision as Brian came in and, and saved us and kept us up. So it will matter to them. It will matter uh, from a financial point of view. And from a, I don't know, the, the, the philosophy at the club seems to be the, the worrying aspect of this in that we seem to be building a club solely, or surviving as a club solely by bringing through young players. And I think the fans see that as we're sort of sacrificing on performances to make sure we've got sellable assets and we're not really marrying the two together well enough at the minute. So it will matter. It, 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 it's not a case of that the board don't care that we go down because they will. I'm a little bit surprised that they've not acted, but yeah, it's a, it's a difficult situation. It's a difficult question and one that I'm going to sit on the fence a little bit with, I think. I think what I would say is there's a there's a difference between having that safety net and being prepared for the the eventuality that you could be relegated at some point and sort of not actively trying to stop it, which it kind of feels like now to me. It feels like we're in a situation where making a managerial change would give us a better chance of staying up. And the longer it goes on without it happening, um, the more it feels like the board aren't really that bothered either way. Luke... Where do you stand on that? Because what Chaff touched on there about sort of developing players to become saleable assets, um, how much does that matter if the club can't then compete on the field? Where's the sort of balancing act? It feels to me like in the past we've been able to to do both, to compete and you know produce players good enough to sell on and keep the club afloat. Yeah, I think that's the club's philosophy. The club's philosophy is... Uh, um... You know, have longevity from a financial perspective by having that model and being known for that model. Um, but there's a balance to it, and that is having a core group of players, core group of professionals who can support that. Um, this season, we've been over reliant on the younger players that you um, that you might consider as potential sellable assets in the future um, in in League One, and you know, in in kind of. Um, in the expectation and pressure that's been put on them in, a, in, in being in a relegation battle as well. Um, you know, to kind of Aramoli, for example, um, I think too much pressure has been put on Aramoli. I think he's gone back as a player, potentially short term anyway, as a, as a result of it. Whereas if you're playing in a better team, Aramoli looks like a better player, less pressure on him um, to kind of come up with the goods, and all of a sudden he becomes a, a you know, more of a true sellable asset. Um, so I think the the club's vision and you know where we are as a football club is to always kind of um, you know compete and, and stay in League One, um, but financially do it by uh, developing the youngsters with, with the support of uh, a core group of you know um, professionals like your Jim McNulty's and, and and so on. Um, but I think that balance has been lost this year because in part you know we've part of the reason is the injuries I think in many respects. Um, but it's so tricky. Like, I, I honestly, I don't know where I'm at with it because on one hand, we've been competing as a League One club now for um, a considerable amount of time. And with that comes the expectation that, well, we've done it for the last however many seasons. Um, so that's what we, we should be striving for and beyond. Um, you know, so sometimes I'm kind of of the, of the mindset that, you know, that's where we're at as a club. And anything kind of, if we don't achieve that, we're underachieving and then on the other hand I look at it and go where are we pitched as a football club in the football league you know and, and I look at it from you know from a, club, a size of club perspective um, you know a financial perspective you know, and, and I know fans will remark the likes of Crew and Accrington are flying and all that lot but what about the 20 odd teams in the league below us that are of a similar stature to us what about the 10 teams in the conference that are arguably of a similar if not bigger stature to us you know, you're always going to have the odd ones that overachieve, and fair play to the likes of Crew and Naki. And we've we've had our we've had our time and we've enjoyed it. And you know, I, I really hope that we continue having our time and enjoying it, and, and we fight and stay in the league. But kind of, you know, we take a step back, um, kind of think, you know what, we've done well, and you know, have has it just caught up with us a little bit for a number of reasons? And um, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where I'm at. 
your point there about the the injuries um, hampering the well the performances and the potential to to develop players and the fact that we've played we've had an over reliance on some younger players is is fair, but I also don't think we've used some of these younger players in in, in the most productive way. And I'm I'm going to use Aaron Morley as the as the example. The kid gets an awful lot of stick. Um, so I feel harsh in sort of singling him out myself. In the role that he's been in the team all season doing, it doesn't suit him. As a, to me, watching the game, it doesn't look like it suits him being that number four. Because like we said on the pod last week, I think Cole made the, made the point. Um, and we've made it several times in previous episodes. He, he, he just doesn't have that ability to break up play and do the defensive work. And it's good that we can showcase his passing ability, but when we're getting dragged down and we're losing games because midfielders are running through at will because we're unable to stop them, heads go down and that puts added pressure on them. Um, we saw last night that we were better in that area with O'Connell there, for example. Um, somebody who hasn't got the passing ability of Aaron Marley, but he can just stand there and defend. Um, and the, the likes of Quadro Bar as well, um, who, when he's when he's in a, an attacking team, looks unstoppable at times. These last three or four weeks, he might as well have been playing as a wing back. So the injuries have not helped, but neither has the the, the change in in where we're playing, which is down to the manager. Um, and I get that he's wanted to shore things up and he's wanted to to stop goals going in, but he's done it at the expense of of our more technically better players being able to show themselves. And if you're a scout watching at the minute and you're looking at Aramali and you're looking at Barr, you're probably thinking, well, I'm not seeing anything of what I'm hearing. So it's a, it's a difficult situation. You've got to be able to, if, if we're a club that's looking to make money off player sales, we've got to be able to to play the players and, and, and use them in the right way. Yeah, just to touch on, on Morley, something that I've kind of noticed in the last few weeks. I've been saying for a while that I feel he might be going down a similar route in that he's playing in that defensive midfield role, which doesn't really suit him, uh, to Callum Camps and Jamie Allen before him, because both of them had long spells playing in a defensive or a deeper role, shall we say, that didn't really suit them. And they've both gone on and signed for, for other clubs and done better in an attacking role. I'm watching Molly and I'm not sure he's good enough to do that, if I'm honest with you. I think his passing range is incredible. I don't think he has the sort of dynamism that someone like a, a Jamie Allen has. I don't think he has that that dangerous threat around the box that someone like Callum Camps has. I just don't know what he is as a footballer at the minute. I think he, he's a ball player. And beyond that, there's not really a lot there. And I suppose you could say that there'll be teams looking at him as, as someone to come in and just keep ticking possession over. But I'm not, I'm not sure that there's enough about his game that stands out to make clubs at a higher level than us come and, go, come and take him on at the minute. Maybe that's just the fact that we're playing not great football, I'm not sure, but I'm just seeing less and less of, of, from him to make me think that he can go on. But I also thought the same about Alan and Camps when they were playing in that role, so I suppose time will tell. Um, Lucas, well, just to, t- to go back and touch on something you mentioned there about Crew and, and Accrington, which I think is a really... Really important, relevant point that a lot of people forget. Uh, there are a lot of people. There are a lot of clubs below us who will feel that they're sort of bigger than us and have more finances and have more resources and should be doing better than us. Um, I think the mentality, though, is a dangerous one because it, it kind of says, "Well, these clubs are below us," so it, it maybe lets the club off the hook a little bit when they start to slide backwards a little, rather than. Um, trying to do everything they can to stay in the position that they are and try and build and progress and, and be as high as possible, which is what I want to see as a fan. It maybe gives them that sort of, it's the little Rochdale moniker. It's like, well, we're doing better than we should have been doing anyway. So if we slip behind, it's from a position of, of being higher than we expected to be. And I just think that's a, if that is the case, then that's not the mentality that I want to see from the football club. Um, Ryan, you've been a little bit quiet for a while, so I'll come to you now. Um, we spoke about the injuries there, which, which haven't helped. Um, but also, what won't have helped Brian Barry Murphy and the two red cards in the last two games as well, Ollie Rathbone and Connor Shaughnessy. How much do you blame the player? How much do you blame maybe a lack of discipline, worthy red cards? <laughs> what, what, how do you, where do you stand on those two, two decisions and two red cards? 
you let me speak for the first time in 10 minutes and it's about Rathbone. (laughs) 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 It's the player. It's solely the player. Um, The Rathbone one, he deserves the same, if not worse, treatment than what McNulty got for his. Um, Sean and C, having seen it back, was a red, but both sort of ones I don't mind players getting. Obviously, don't want him to. I don't want him to get a red card because that's stupid. But I don't mind that because it's. I think it's just an honest tackle. That's just poor technique and probably a bit of frustration as well. Um, I'm sure you know that we've all played football. We've probably made tackles like that. Um, so that I can forgive. The Rathbone one I can't because it's brain dead. It's you're in a relegation battle. You're playing a team who are. Uh, in and around you, you've got a good chance of going on and getting something from a game. Just don't do that. He'll know him as well because he were on trial with us, weren't he? Like, with Johnny Smith, weren't it? Yeah. So they'll know each other. You're in front of the opposition bench. It's just McNulty, isn't it? But he's headbutted him instead of... At least McNulty tried and to be a bit tricky with it, tried to hide it a bit. Rathbone's just tried headbutting him and missed, by the way, but tried headbutting him. And... Yeah, deserves the exact same treatment. He won't get in the team again for me for the rest of the season because it's stupid. And that 150 grand from Hull looks a lot more appealing now, doesn't it? It definitely does, to be fair, over the way the season's gone. Um, My question will be, if if, if you leave Ollie out of the team as a matter of discipline, who do you play in midfield at the minute? Because I was on a, a Sunderland podcast after the whole game, sort of previewing our game on Saturday. And... um. I was trying to sort of pick out who's going to be in midfield. We'll be, have no Shaughnessy. Uh, we'll have no Rathbone. Um, we'll have no Matt Lund. We'll have no Jimmy Ryan. We're already playing with defenders in midfield. It kind of shows, doesn't it, the, the extent of the of the not only the injuries but now suspensions. It's just a, a ridiculous time, a ridiculous time for for two red cards like that to come. That's the most frustrating thing about the Rathbone thing, because you can add Stephen Dooley to that list as well of players who are out. Forgot about um, it. Oh, easily forgettable, but um, <laughs> it's got to the point now where we, we're missing players, and he goes and does that. It's like it's like when Jim got sent off, and we were we were struggling for defenders. It's exactly the same thing, and it is a lack of discipline from Rathbone, um, and that is a worrying thing because I don't think I've ever seen that from him. I kind of think he's if if he's getting wound up and wanting to bite people, then we're 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 in deep deep trouble. He's vice captain as well. So it's awful. It really is poor. And Ryan's right. It deserves the, the criticism that Jim got um, for that because it's, it's unforgivable. The issue is that for me, aside from Lund, he, he's, in, he's an integral part of our, of our team. He's the only player that we've got that can go and win the ball off another player, for example. And the, the, the Shaughnessy one, I agree with Ryan. Um, you can forgive that more because he's not gone in to, to do anything other than try and get the ball. He's just done it wrong. Luke, sort of touching on the fact that we've not been scoring goals, um, Stephen Humphreys is looking very isolated at the top at the moment, isn't he? I mean, how much do you say that he's not not performing enough? How much do you say it's a lack of support? Uh, what do you think the key is to sort of unlock in his goal scoring potential again in the, in the next few games? It's just by shifting the tactics somewhat to, to get men around him. Um, he's been absolutely, you know, he's been mega isolated. Um, I thought he really did. Uh, he put in a real good shift against Hull uh, last night and um, he did as well as what he could have done. Um, I think there is that element to his game where when he gets it, I think there's a, there's a sense of him feeling as though he needs to do something with it. Um, you know, and there was a point in the first half where he, ne- he very nearly did. Um, but... It doesn't work like that at this level. He needs the support around him. So I think it's just, you know, we're conceding goals for fun. We've tightened up to a certain extent. We look more solid, uh, I, I think, is a fair reflection, um, even though we're still conceding and, you know, not doing, not doing you know, so well. Um, but um, I think we've just got to kind of strike the balance a bit more by being a bit more forward-thinking. Um and, and and that'll be the way to do it because you know it's not fully working. You know we conceded two goals in the last two games, so um, I think it's a case of 
to a certain extent, attack is is sometimes the best form of defence, and you know we need to set the pressure off our, our defenders somewhat by um, basically offering more against the opposition going forward. Now, um, and I think BBM recognises that he's kind of he alluded to it in his post-match interview. He's definitely not happy with kind of you know the manner in which we've kind of attacked, and I don't know if that's because we've just not done it or we're set up. Uh, to me, it looks like we're settled that way, really, which is making it really difficult for the players, for Humphries, uh, having a, uh, his impact on the game. Um, but I think, you know, to a certain extent, yes, we need to be solid defensively, but our strengths in many ways are going forward when we've got players like Humphries, Barr, and, you know, creative player like Nubi, who um, just to can't, aren't really doing much when we're, like, like Chaff said, playing as wing-backs, basically. Yeah, I, I feel sorry for Humphries. Um, I really do because he, you know, midway through the season when he was getting the games and getting the goals, he looked like he could really go on and do some good things either for us or, or higher. Um, not necessarily in a higher division, but with a better team. And now, barring the whole game, because that was slightly better, but with four or five games before that, most of the time that you saw Rumphries on the screen, it was him defending 30 yards from our goal line because that's how deep we are. I was getting frustrated because we're setting up as a counter-attacking team without any real pace in the team. So how can you be a counter-attacking team without pace? And I just think, I'm taking this off track a little bit, but I think when BBM talks about the fact that we've had injuries in the same positions regularly, we had a lot of defenders out at one point, we've currently got a lot of midfielders out and we had a lot of strikers out in the last month or so. So I don't get the thinking behind sitting back because then if you concede a goal and you've got a chase for game there's no one to bring on because we're all injured so surely the better tact would have been to go and attack try and nick a goal and then show up shop later on in the game because you've got 60 defenders on the bench so I just I don't like what's been happening and then when you're making changes yeah we've, we've had Barr on the bench and you've brought Barr on there's an impact but we sort of I know he's only 17-18 but we need him on the pitch to help Bumfries um, to help us go and try and score a goal whereas Humphries has been getting the ball and he's looked poor with some of his touches but you've got to remember he's having to sprint from being 30 yards from his own goal line to then getting to the other box most of the time with the ball where he's got to dribble through eight players because no one can catch up to him when he's not got the ball he's probably goosed because he's been chasing midfielders around like a knobhead so I just I feel massively sorry for him and I think you could tell because it's the most frustrated I've been but I think the last few games have just been awful. And he stopped his vlogs. He's saying to concentrate on the matches. I'm not buying that. He's probably unhappy. And it won't shock me if he gives us the same treatment he gave Southend in the summer. I suppose you couldn't really blame him. I mean, I don't think he'll have I don't think he'll have joined us in the in the expectation of being in the position that he's been in for the last few games where he's got no support and, and no chances to score goals. Never mind, um, never mind winning games. Um, Chaffin, a player that both Ryan and, and Luke have touched on earlier, um, Alex Newby. We were having a bit of a discussion when we were at half-time of the whole game saying you can see that there's, a, there's ability there, but in terms of, of sort of committing to challenges and, and mentality, he doesn't really look like the sort of player you want to be uh, relying on in, in, the, in the position we're in now in a relegation battle. Um, it's tough with Newby because in a way he's a little bit sort of in the same regard as Humphreys there in that he's, he's, he's out of the game a lot when we're under the cosh and he's probably having to do work that he's not had to do before um, when he's played for Charlie and previous to that um, we, we've alluded to it he's, he's almost playing like a like a wing back whoever's like Ollie playing as a wing back or Bar's playing as a wing back because we're under the cost that much of having to get the ball 30, 40 yards deeper than what they should do and he won't be used to that at all so it's, it's difficult with Newby I don't think playing him wide gets the best out of him either I think the, the, the good things that he's done in a Dale shirt have been when he's been allowed to be a little bit more central um, there's no doubt in that he's got skill because we've seen it he's not got consistency yet but he's, he's jumped up the levels, and he? So consistency is probably going to be one of the things he would have struggled with all season, I think. But 
he's got bags of ability. I don't think he's been able to show it in the system that we're in either. Um, I think he's probably more effective in a front three um, than he is in a 4-4-2. Same with Barr on the other side. They're not able to get into the game like they would do, like they were earlier in the season um, when we weren't assisting with playing deeper, wide roles. And I just, I just don't think we're, we're getting the, be- the, the best out of Newby. I think we, he's probably done, in terms of stats and goals and assists, I think he's probably done probably more than what a lot of people would have expected, maybe. And like I said, there's a, there's a, there's a player there. We've got to get the best out of him as well as we do Humphreys and, and the system suiting, well, seemingly nobody. Um, I suppose the the, <laughs> the only person it would suit is Bazunu, who has to face a few fewer shots. But it's not it's not stopping him from uh, making mistakes either way, is it? Because he arguably should have done better with the goal uh, against Hull on on Tuesday night. Luke, um, one sort of smidgen of positive news that came out of the club was a eight 0 win for the academy over Walsall on the same day as the Hull game. Do you think that results like that kind of put pressure on BBM to give some of these lads a chance now, especially when when the, the, the players in the first team clearly aren't meeting expectations from the fans' point of view? I mean, someone like Ethan Briley, I know he's young and, and it might be it might sort of damage his uh, his development a little bit to bring him in in such a, a difficult situation. But we've seen in the past with Keith Hill where he, he brought players in at unexpected times and they ended up it ended up sort of being the making of them. I'm thinking like Callum Camps and, and Joe Bunny in particular. Uh, do you think now's the time for BBM to sort of place a bit of faith in a couple of these young lads and seeing if they can improve the situation in the first team with regards to, you know, trying to stay in the league? Me, no. Um, I think we would have seen them if the earlier on in the season when the, the pressure was, uh, wasn't on as much as it is now, if they were ready and good enough at this stage. Um you know, it, obviously, we're doing good stuff by all accounts in the academy. Um, and I'm sure if they were good enough at, right now, they'd be getting the opportunity. Um, but, you know, there probably is that uh, dilemma in, in BBMZ with regards to, um, you know, I mean, Briley's the next one by all accounts. And from what I've seen, he seems to be the most the more talented one that's, that's coming through. But... You know what does it do to a player at that age with with the pressure that of of relegation and you know relegation battle and stuff like that. Um, you know, on the other hand, there's you know no fear approach with kids and whatnot. But Bradley Bradley goes into a position in the part of the pitch where there's a lot of pressure and a lot of emphasis on on our game, and I think that'd be unfair on him if he's not fully ready. Um, I think Keith Hill, what Keith Hill likes to do, I think kind of when he came to introducing the youngsters, he, he did it out of the blue and he did it, you know, in a couple of the big FA Cup games and uh, where it was quite surprising. But you know what? I suppose they are the games where the pressure's off because no one's expecting us to get a result, you know, and it's such a, you know, you, you've got nothing to lose in, in, in doing that. Um, so um, for me, no, uh, unless they were good enough. But I think if they were good enough, they would have been, you know, we would have seen more of the likes of Briley a lot earlier on in the season. I think maybe, you know, part of his development, he's been in and around the first team now for, you know, probably a year. Um, and I think, you know, that steadily increases as, as we head into next season, regardless of what league we're in. Um, and that'll be kind of the path for the likes of him. And hopefully, you know, one or two others as well, if, if they're good enough. And we don't get me wrong. We might see him on Saturday because of how, you know um, how lower numbers we are in the middle of the park. So um, I just think generally, uh, for me, you know, you really are clutching at straws if you just, you know, if, if the shouts from the stands are to throw the kids in it, um, because that doesn't automatically mean success. Ryan, just before we finish up, I'm going to come to you to see if there are any other positives we can take from the last few games for me. Uh, Connor Grant had quite a decent game at Hull on Tuesday showed a few flashes of ability which we haven't really seen before and I thought Osho did quite well going back in at centre-back compared to how he's been at right-back have there been any sort of flashes for you that you, we can sort of cling to clutching at straws as Luke put it a second ago I think last night as a whole was not positive because we lost 2-0 um, but the score from a, a shot that uh, Bazunu should save you could tell by McShane's reaction that he thinks the same as well and then an own goal um, which was just fortunate um, 
So aside from that, I can't think of many clear chances. I can't remember any Bazunu saves unless we were later on and I were pissed. But um, in terms of the game itself, I thought we were okay. I thought we had as many, not chances, but at least half chances. And to be fair, I think a lot of the time, I know we don't have many chances and when you look at the shots table, it looks poor, but I think a lot of the time in the last few games, the final ball's just been missing. I remember a couple where Bars tried putting Humphreys through and just completely messed it up and they weren't difficult passes. There was one last night when I think Shaughnessy either tried passing it or would have been through. I can't remember which way it was, but it weren't a difficult pass. And there were a couple, um, McLaughlin to Newby, um, Grant to Keohane, where you get them right and you probably go on and have a short goal and maybe score. So if we can get that right, because I agree with what BBM's saying in that, you know, there's positives for the rest of the season, but we need to get them situations right. Um, but into O'Connell, I was impressed with O'Connell in the middle. I think he'd be a really good six, actually, in front of a back four. But we need to change the shape because it's not working. We need to play a six. And then you, you get your wingers get the license then to stay forward because the two eights can cover wide. Um, so that's what I'd do. But uh, yeah, impressed with O'Connell. Um, barring that, I'm struggling. Yeah, I'm a similar sort of opinion to you there, Ryan. The, the main positive for me last night was O'Connell playing in that defensive midfield role. Um, it made a huge difference seeing somebody who can actually defend play that role and it gives the opportunity to to Marley to go and, and play a little bit further up the pitch. Um, Grant did more than he did in recent games, but I'm still seeing more negatives and positives from him, if I'm if I'm honest. Uh, I think he, he gave the ball away more than anybody else last night. He's got a few nice touches, or he did have last night. He doesn't look any further on to me than what a, a, a Harrison Hopper might do. Um, obviously, he's playing a slightly different role and he's, he's not playing a role that He's, um, he's been brought in to do, I don't think. I think he's more of a, a tap-minded midfielder. Um, but, yeah, the, the other positive for me, offshore at centre-back looks miles better there than he does at right-back. He's not constantly waving his arms thinking, where am I supposed to be? And, yeah, that's, a, that, that's about it. It was, a, an overall, a better performance, but we're still miles away. Um, getting a couple of games in a row at McLaughlin and McShane Saturday, Tuesday is, is a bit of a positive as well for us, if, um, if he can build on that as well. Going back to what Cole said last week, um, you know, I don't think there would have been many gripes with the with the performance had we been playing it a lot earlier in the season either. Um, it's just so happens to be kind of, you know, whilst we're in this run and whilst we're going kind of towards the end of the season now. Yeah, I didn't want to give Cole any sort of historical credit for a point you made last week, but yeah, I think we all thought that, didn't we, during the whole game? Had it been earlier in the season, maybe we'd be able to take more positives. But unfortunately, the position we're in at the minute, it means points are required rather than performances if we're going to stay in the league. Um, which, fingers crossed, we can get in the coming games, but it, it's seeming more and more difficult um, given, the, given the fixtures and given that undoubtedly morale will have been dented by recent results and performances. Um, but obviously, fingers crossed, we can turn the corner at some point soon. Um, guys, have you got time for a quick game before we finish? A chunk of chicken's just arrived, so we best be quick. <laughs> okay, so Tuesday night sees uh, Brian Barry Murphy go up against his protege, Aaron Wilbraham, uh, as Dale take on Shrewsbury in League One. Uh, and for the game, I've got uh, Dale's 4-3 win at the New Meadow in 2007. Uh, I think we were the first away team to win at the ground, and this is the game that we did it in. So obviously, it's centenary season, the black and white kit. Uh, early days in that season. So, um, Chap, were you our winner last time again? I think you were, weren't you? I think so, yeah. So, you can go first. Any player from Dale's squad in the, in that 4-3 win at Shrewsbury, 29th uh, September 2007. Gary Jones. Correct. Uh, Ryan? Ramsden. Oh, don't. No Simon Ramsden in that squad, I'm afraid. Uh, He's had a nightmare. Luke? Can you give Chap a bit of a run for his money this week? I'll try Stanton. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> no. Who the fuck played? 
<laughs> wow, the easiest win chapel ever on that game. Hey, this is a this is Gary Brown. No, the right back was a loney. If anyone wants to guess, I think he was from Oldham. Or Lomax. Lomax, yeah. Uh, the centre back I didn't realise was still with us in this in this season. Can't have finished the season with us, surely. No, Mercado played, but Lee Crooks partnered him. Wow. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was his last season, that, weren't it? See if you can get any more. Nathan Delay, yeah. No. DK. Yeah, Tom Kennedy played. Renny Al. No. Glenn Murray. Alfred. Glenn Murray, yeah. Adam LaFondra, yeah. Higgy. Higginbottom, yeah. Joey T. Yeah. Buckley. No, Buckley. Perkins. Yeah, Perkins played. Uh, there was also John Doolan, uh, Ben Muret, Adam Rundle, Rory Prendergast, and the subkeeper was uh, Sam Russell. Uh, Jamie Spencer was the was the first choice keeper. So, bit of a poor effort from you out there. But to be fair, I didn't realise uh, that the standard Ramsden had been missing, who would have been two uh, two staples of that team at that time. So, another win for Chap, but he didn't have to do much for it. Um, just wanted to, to, to give a shout out to everyone for, for continuing to support us and, and listen and, and give us the ratings on iTunes and, and Spotify and what have you. It's really appreciated. Um, we're hoping to get a few more special guests on in the next couple of weeks. We've got a few ex-players lined up that we're really looking forward to chatting to, so hope you'll tune in for them. Uh, all that's left for me to say this time, though, is thank you very much for joining me, Ryan. No, thank you, Dean. Cheers, chap. Yeah, cheers, mate. It was a... Depressing one, that weren't it, Christ? <laughs> Most of them are, let's be honest. Uh, uh, cheers, Luke. Cheers, Falcon. Catch you next time. Up the down. <laughs>